from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Tiny Lovett, with another big-time episode for you this week. It's been a disappointing week in the college sports world, for sure. With the Big Ten and Pac-12 canceling football and the Pac-12 canceling all sports through January, it's hard to be optimistic as a college basketball fan. But today, honestly, I'm recording this intro after I did the interview, and, and I am... I honestly feel rejuvenated. It's late at night recording this pod for you. It's going to be out tomorrow morning, but I feel rejuvenated after this conversation I had with Matt Norlander. Matt's a senior college basketball writer over at CBS Sports. He co-hosts the Ion College Basketball Podcast, and and he gave me reason to be really optimistic about college basketball, and I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have a hard time falling asleep tonight because I'm pumped. I'm going to be thinking about 16 upsets over one. I'm going to think about conference champions. I'm going to think about meaningless three-point percentage of teams that probably aren't going to make the tournament because that's the kind of way that I do college basketball. And today I just found out that I should expect to have a college basketball season. And it's hard to kind of imagine that with this news coming out of the football side, but I'm not going to lie. There's good news coming to you on this podcast. So we'll get to that in a second. Got a couple of housekeeping things to, uh, to talk through. First one, internal update. Uh, This week, Shannon Terry, CEO of 24-7 Sports, announced that he will be leaving the company. And I just wanted to take this podcast as an opportunity to say thank you, both on behalf of myself and and the rest of the 24-7 Sports staff, to Shannon Terry. I haven't had many conversations with him, but he's always been kind to me when we did speak. And, And most importantly, he gave me and countless other people their first opportunity in the sports media landscape. And and for that, you know, I'm just tremendously thankful. And and wherever Shannon goes next is off to more big things. I won't say better because, well, 24-7 sports is pretty sweet. Uh, and speaking of which, you know, getting your first opportunity to work in, in sports media gives you opportunities that you never thought you would have had. And, and for that, I'm thankful to Shannon as well. And and tonight, I was able to speak with Matt Norlander, who who's, I've been listening to his show for almost five years, and, and it's just wild to think that because of the job that I was able to get at 24-7 Sports, I was able to have this conversation. And again, just want to extend a sincere thank you to Shannon Terry uh, for the work that he did on 24-7 Sports and for affording me the opportunity to uh, achieve a lifetime dream that is working in sports media. So that's really cool. We're going to take a quick, quick break and then hop into a conversation I had with Matt Norlander about what it means for the broader college basketball landscape that the Pac-12 canceled uh, games all the way through January. Could we see non-conference play maybe start after January? What does the tournament look like? And, and a whole bunch more. When we're going to find out about this stuff. So stay tuned. going to take a quick break real early in the show today. Uh, and Because I don't want to interrupt that conversation I had with Matt. It was really uplifting and exciting. And even with a fun little game at the end. So stay tuned. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're welcoming in Matt Norlander. It is a real treat to have senior writer for college basketball at CBS Sports. Matt, I waited until we started recording to say this out loud. I've been listening to your show for a long, long time, and so it's very exciting to have you on the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. Um, so let's start here. You and Gary Parish put out a three-part series this week, basically lining out a bajillion different ways to save the season. And, but all three articles kind of started off with the assumption that college basketball needs a bubble. And yet, you know, when the Pac-12 kind of canceled everything at the beginning of this week and Larry Scott came out and said, unlike professional sports, college sports cannot operate in a bubble. So why do you expect that Larry Scott is like going to change his mind? Well, I don't know if Larry Scott will or won't change his mind. Um, but I, I can say that while Pac-12 coaches weren't, caught by surprise with this most other coaches were because i don't expect i mean as we record this in mid-august i don't anticipate we will have another conference decide what the pac-12 and to a certain extent the ivy league already has decided and that's eliminating non-conference play in all sports until january 1st now what's been interesting is that larry scott came out a couple of days ago and said, you can't do a bubble for college sports. And on Thursday, the president of the NCAA, in multiple answers, speaking for a digital series with uh, Andy Katz, the great Andy Katz, uh, had come at, came out and said that we are prepared to use a bubble-type system if we have to. And he was speaking specifically with NCAA championships, not even necessarily just the men's or women's NCAA tournaments in basketball, but all those other ones. Because from his perspective, they are also like, obviously, the men's tournament makes by far the most money, but they're also legitimately concerned about every single winter and spring sport athlete last year that lost their tournaments and their seasons on the same day. That was March 12th, 2020. I'll never forget that day. So Larry Scott appears to be fortifying himself on something of an island. I don't think that the Pac-12 can go back on what it's done here, but that doesn't mean, you know, I'm actually scheduled to talk to a couple of Pac-12 coaches, I think, in the next 24 to 48 hours. So I'm interested to get some intel, be it on the record or off, but I wouldn't be, and I know there's a story out there, so I I didn't read it yet, but um, I'd be interested to see if the Pac-12 somehow navigates itself to have in-league play that gets around some of the stuff that has been let out this week. But the school, uh, the, the, the school, the conference did put itself in an interesting position here in saying we're not going to have any kind of games because there's many ways we could go with this. And you referenced the series we had off the top. My colleague Gary Parrish handled the regular season part of it. I was more strictly tied to the NCAA tournament. But if we have a situation where we get to late November and December and 29 or 30 other conferences are doing bubble type seasons over a four or five week period. I'll be interested to see just what on earth the PAC 12 is going to do to adjust that going forward. But those are many bridges we still have to cross before we get there. 
Mm-hmm. So, so you kind of laid out three different timelines for the NCAA tournament in terms of like start time, and I encourage everybody to read the piece. I'm not, I'm not in the business of uh, giving away clicks on a podcast. So, if you want all the details, you got to go click that. That's in the show notes. Uh, but ba- the, the gist of it is basically one is January to March, conference only, and then the tournament. Second is January to April, with either a delay or some a small amount of non-conference, then the tournament, or January to May, and then the tournament uh, in a full season. And so my my question for you is twofold. Wh- one, which of these options do you prefer? And two, do you think like I I'm not ready to give away non-conference games and I know our, our friends in the football scene kind of just went through this but like I I'm not ready to give that away. Is there any possibility that you think reasonably there could still be some non-conference? I've heard from five head coaches in the past 24 hours. And I believe four of them offered up either through text or call, like one of the first bits of information and opinion they shared with me after seeing the pieces that were published at cbsports.com was, and I'm going to paraphrase kind of collectively their voice. Don't give up on the season starting in January, sliding back the entire schedule and then having a May tournament And if we get to January and we see like, okay, situation we're in right now means we can't really start before January 20th, January 25th, because we just don't quite have the testing capability yet. Okay, then that's fine. Then we lose, you know, half or a little more than half of our non-conference games. But let's at least start there. That's what I would, if you're asking which scenario I'd like, I'd actually like to see, come on now. I mean, let's just try it. Let's just try it for a year, see how it feels. Uh, A May Madness, try and have a full season because ultimately, the NCAA's aim and the conferences, all of them, their collective aim needs to be, we need to try and have some semblance of a regular season with non-conference games. There's a lot of reasons for that. The biggest one is, and I'm not going to get in the weeds on this podcast, uh, we will definitely get into the weeds on it on multiple editions of the Ion College Basketball Podcast down the road. If you do not have non-conference play at all, metrics have no meaning because you have no frame of reference from one grouping of teams in one union, if you will, one universe versus 31 others. You can't measure them. You can take a guess. You can do some sorts of strength of record to some decent means, but no non-conference offers up, uh, unfortunately, a an essentially an impossible task for a selection committee to try and even come close to equitably seeding the tournament. Uh, and I don't want to get in the weeds on this. I will say this, and I, I, I wouldn't shock me if I wound up writing a column about this. That isn't necessarily the worst thing because the general objective of the committee going forward for the next 5, 10, 15, 50 years is still going to be to try and seed and sele- select as accurately as possible and then leave a little bit of room for debate. But if we have one tournament in 2021, if we can be lucky enough to get a tournament, no matter its size, 64, 48, 40, I got all that thought out. And you just have a situation there where a team that gets slotted on a two-seed line or a perceived two-seed line really should be a four. We have a nine. That really should be a five. Well, then we'll have some chaos in the bracket. We're going to have a bracket. We're going to love it, and it's going to be a little bit unbalanced. And embracing that, I think, is going to be a lot of what we need to adjust to. We have so much to get to before we get there. You can't have a tournament without a regular season, but I'd love to see us try to start in January, have a May Madness, and if we could do that and have somewhere between – a consistency of 23 to 30 regular season games, that would be the best case scenario. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, if if we have teams that are just tremendously unseated, it would provide potentially one of the 
best first two rounds ever because of how crazy the first games would be. I mean, I'm thinking back to my most recent memory of like uh, an egregiously not wrong seeded, but like difficult seed was when Kentucky played Wichita State in the second round. It was like, this shouldn't be a second round game. Well, maybe maybe if we don't have non-conference play and they don't have those metrics, we'll find ourselves in a situation where a lot of the second round looks like that. Yeah. and But you know what's interesting about that? I agree with you, but in retrospect, that also gave us, I think, undeniably one of the five best tournament games of the past decade. Yeah. So, so it would have been awesome to see that Wichita State team, which almost you know was able to 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 run the table, get into a second weekend, maybe a, a Final Four, uh, and do all of that. But they didn't. They got Kentucky, and that was the best game of the tournament that year. But I, I agree with you, and I'll be interested to see. I mean, I'm interested to see so much here. Um, if we can have something of a, a normal season, something uh, how the committee adjusts. If we don't have non-conference play. And I know the committee is like working and they're talking to smart people about all this, about what they can do. Um, I, again, that's a, that's a topic for another time, but that is go- If we're lucky enough, I'll just say it again. If we're lucky enough to have a regular season in a tournament, I, I expect the college basketball fans and some of the media to almost too quickly take that reality for granted and then point some cynicism, skepticism, and uh, some of their knives at the committee for what they may or may not be able to do uh, correctly, if you will. And I just think we need to embrace just any kind of chaos that could come with the tournament and just be happy that we're going to get one. Yeah, so before before we move on, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think if, if we get to a position where the committee is meeting, then then we are, you know, in heaven. We, we've, done, we've done our job. But in, if, if there was a situation in which there was some semblance of non-conference saved, I assume that there would have to be some sort of cooperation between the Power Five and even, you know, the, the maybe the next seven after the Power Five conferences in order to coordinate in terms of testing and in terms of scheduling. And that is just not something we've seen. I mean, 24-7 sports, everything starts and ends with football. And yeah. and everyone in our office is just freaking out. I mean, the slack is just like, can these guys just talk to each other once before doing anything? And And so... You know, producing what four or five football shows I produced. Like, I, I'm nervous coming to the basketball side. Like, how can I have faith that these people are going to be able to work together to make this possible? You can have faith because the people that work on the basketball side are more prone to work together than those on the football side. And a lot of this stems from the fact that football's postseason isn't run by the NCAA and basketball's is. So you'll have the oversight committee uh, working alongside with the NABC, alongside with the men's basketball committee. And I do expect, and I mentioned this I'm on a recent episode of the Ion College Basketball Podcast, that I anticipate when we have news in September about what is going to be attempted with the regular season in men's college basketball, that the messaging will be relatively consistent and official word will be released on a conference by conference basis in close conjunction with each other. I'm not saying we'll have 32 leagues announcing the same thing within the same hour, but within the span of a, a less than a week, I do think that we will have that because you absolutely need to have that if you want to try and pull off a season And although every conference obviously has its own interest to take into account first, there is a collective that needs to happen here because, you know, power five is not a term in basketball. 
I, I, I endorse the major seven because you have the Big East, which is undeniably part of that group. It's a better league than the Pac-12. It's been better than the Big Ten plenty. Not last year, but it has been. And then you've got the American, which is still reliably at least a three-bid league. You actually in basketball, you had, and then you've got, so you got the major seven, and then you've got the 10 multi-bid leagues. The other three that aren't on that level, A-10, Mountain West, West Coast Conference. All of those leagues, plus the ones that flirt just on the outside of that, you know, another three, four, five beyond that, they need each other in order to try to make these non-conference games kind of happen and provide the data set that would best allow for a traditionally sized tournament. So just keep all of that in mind. The powers that be in college basketball and the powers that be in college football, very, very few people are, are in both circles in that Venn diagram. Very few. Uh, you, could count, you could count them. The ones that aren't league presidents and athletic directors, you can count them on one hand probably. So that's, a, I think, a good thing for college basketball. Um, and it's why coaches and everyone in the sport right now, optimism is way high that there's going to be able to be a season and that there's going to be a tournament. Now, optimism was way high in football at the end of June. So things can obviously change, but I do think that we are going to have a season. The logistics still need to be figured out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh man, I have a lot. I have a lot of questions. But th- honestly, honestly, hearing what you just said got me excited. I mean, like, I don't know why. I, I may- maybe there's some sort of like a subliminal understanding of what it is you were hinting at that like basketball was going to be able to get this done. But like, I've been like hopeful about basketball, and so you know, my biggest question, I guess. After all the ones you've already answered, is you know, do you expect the the cost of regular testing to become an issue for mid and low majors because they're they're regularly among the most interesting stories of the NCAA tournament, especially maybe even February, late February and March, uh, and it would be tremendously sad. I mean, the majority of the kind of uh, alternative realities that you wrote at, fleshed out in your article involved most conferences playing all 32 and you know could we end up in a situation where only i don't know 15 conferences could really sustain this potentially but the two things that i think are most important to keep in mind here are you can't have a tournament if you can't have a season and you can't have a tournament or a season if you don't have reliable quick turnaround testing that's cheap and mark emmert himself said it on thursday that it's his understanding And I don't want to use the word hope because hope is definitely not a plan. But by the time we get to November and December, the kind of testing that can be available, saliva swab, spit testing, stuff like that, can be uh, available in a a mass amount. And that is going to be crucial for the lower leagues to play. You bring up a good talking point. It hasn't been discussed quite enough yet. If you are, and just as an example, I talked to a head coach earlier on Thursday in a mid-major basketball league whose league also has is one of the, so it's one of the five group of five leagues. I won't tip my hand more than that. And he said for the football team at the school he coaches at to be able to test at the level that the NCAA basically said the football team needed to test at, it was going to be more than a million dollars more. And obviously the school's losing money. So That's for the football team. The basketball team doesn't have as many games, but would essentially have to test just as frequently. And the only way you could kind of recoup that money, even if you want to bump it down from a million to say, to do a basketball team at 600,000, 500,000, 
you can recoup that money if you if your league gets to play in the NCAA tournament. So we will need to have answers, you know, October, early November, and news from research entities, private companies, universities that these tests work. They're in mass production. We're going to make them available, and and we go from there. But you bring up a good point that isn't talked about enough, and we need to get to that bridge sooner than later. All right. So it's late. It's late on Thursday night. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish out with one serious question and one not serious question. So the serious one, what what's like the drop dead you know deadline? We need to make a plan now in order to get a season started in January. Be it one that ends in March. In April as a tournament, or you know, April May as a tournament, or or even beyond. When's what's that drop dead date in the fall? I actually think there's a two pronged answer to this. Um, the drop dead date for the college basketball to announce we plan to start on X date it comes in the middle of September, because practice starts allowable for a for like a November 10th start. You can start at the very end of September. I think you get 42 days before your first game when you're technically allowed to practice. They have to know about that before that, so we will have the middle of September. That's it will happen by then, but in terms of a drop dead date to start in January with the plan, then I think you're talking about like, let's just call it election day here in this country. So uh, early November there, I think that is your drop dead date. I would expect we're going to know more before then, but just keep those dates in mind. College basketball fan listening, know this. I promise you this because it has to be done within the next 25 to 35 days. We will have an answer at the NCAA level on the target start date for the college basketball season and it should come as no surprise obviously it's it, right now it's expected to be the second week of november that is going to get pushed back it's just a matter of if it gets pushed back until the no, end of november early december or january when that announcement comes in september all right that's important stuff so i promised you a, a not serious question so in addition to hosting or co-hosting i, I don't know the exact uh, relationship you have with uh, gp yeah uh, so in addition to co-hosting the Iron College Basketball Podcast, you also have a music podcast, Records and Riffs. So I would like you to choose maybe a song or album to be the soundtrack of the journey from the canceled tournament on March 12th to hopefully triumphant return to the tournament in 2021. Oh, boy. So any record that would reflect where we were in March and, and where we could return to an album of redemption? Good question here. Yes, I do have a... Uh sporadically updating music podcast that I do like. And I have my new podcast set up here, so I'm actually very motivated to try and get some some new episodes into the feed sometime soon. Let's see. I'm going to muse here. What would be what would be one that uh, that fits pretty well into that category? I'm trying to think of something that, uh, you know, optimism, total despair, coming out... I, yeah, that one is. I would say maybe a little bit with Abbey Road, but it doesn't have enough. Uh, <laughs> and the White Album, really, and I don't want to go to such an obvious art, uh, artist such as uh, as the Beatles, but the uh, White Album's got a lot of just total nonsense on there, and we've had a lot of nonsense in the past in the past four or five months there. Um, but what's another one that's good that I think might have some good uh, redemption qualities, some good some good ethos to it? Um, you know, war on, the war on drugs, lost in the dream, might be uh, might be one as well. If you are unfamiliar with the war on drugs, please do seek them out. It's like the best part of uh, arena rock in the '80s when you talk about like Dire Straits and Bruce Springsteen, but it also has more modern elements. Just a, a fantastic rock band. So if you are not familiar with the war on drugs and you're looking for something to give you, uh, you know, 
a bit of an uplift on a on a warm summer night as dusk approaches. I, I can't recommend that band enough. Oh man. Well, I felt bad. I, I wrote this question maybe a half hour ago. I was like, I should probably I, I can't ask this of you and then not bring it myself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna betray my age and and come at you with uh, Jay Z and Lincoln Park's Collision Course from 2004, what? and uh, final track on that album, 99 Problems, but a bubble ain't one. Okay, that's okay. where we are. And right in the first track of the album, what what, what are they singing? Like the worst part of me, you is me, or, or the worst part of me is you. I, so I was like, it's too much. It was like I was like, I don't know if this is a good call. And then I listened to the whole album. I was like, oh, this is a crazy call. Mm, that's a good point, though. Like. Discovering a few albums made 5, 10, 20, 40 years ago that would just so distinctly apply to what we're living in today. Uh, oh, man. Well, you know, the truth is this was a, a very hopeful podcast and a very exciting podcast. I think uh, both to hear that there's going to be hopefully news uh, in the in the soon term, because uh, yeah. that's, that's a phrase that people use in English. Uh, and also that I think that hearing from you that there's going to be an NCAA tournament, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Uh, but thank you so much, Matt, for coming on the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. Be sure to check Matt out on cbssports.com. Listen to him on the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Matt, thanks so much. My pleasure. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks again to Matt Norlander for coming on the show, giving me and I hope all of you hope and excitement for this upcoming college basketball season, whether it starts January 1st, January 20th, or even maybe in December. Whenever it is, I will be excited to, for it to happen, for it to happen safely. And I, I'm telling you, like I told you at the top of the show, this is just really great news. I put the links to Matt and Gary Parrish's articles in the show notes. Be sure to check those out. Be sure to check out those albums that we talked about at the end of the show. All of them, real good. And if we weren't careful about copyright laws, I would probably be going out with one of those songs at the back end of this show. Uh, but I think that's going to do it, and we'll have the regular music t walking us out. It's already playing, I imagine, right now. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. Hope you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, you should subscribe, especially if you're getting it on the website. You know, you have to wait for me to embed to get this episode on the website. But if you subscribe on your phone, it'll just come to your pocket. I promise. It's real nice. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, a really exciting episode. I'm Tiny Levin. This has been the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show.